remarkable people overcoming remarkable challenges with resilience, dedication, community, and grit. Listen as they share their stories of overcoming adversity. Open your eyes to what is genuinely possible for all of us. Authentic Adversity with host Chris Howe. Welcome back to another episode of the Authentic Adversity Podcast. If you're enjoying the content, please like, comment, and of course, subscribe. Uh, today, I sit down with a good friend of mine uh, on Hawaii. <clears throat> he is a breathwork facilitator, a treatment center owner, an author. Um, he's got an amazing story of recovery, just celebrated 10 years. Um, he's written this amazing book, Breath of Life. Uh, this is Nick TNT. Welcome. What's up, Chris? Thanks for having me on, man. And I, and I love that introduction. Thanks, man. I mean, hey, I, I, <clears throat> I mean, you and I have been following each other for a while on social media and kind of like back and forth with maybe like a, an emoji or a comment here and there and that sort of thing. And uh, over the yeah. last little while, we've, we've, you know, had some conversations and got, to, you know, got to know each other a little bit better. And, um, you know, you're, I really want to read your book before we did this interview. And I'm so glad I did because, um, you know, as I said to you in private conversations, I just could not put it down. It was, yeah. it, it was, it, there is something for everybody in there. Um, you know, I, I would encourage anybody who's listening or watching this, go check it out. Breath of life. It's, um, you know, there's, there's a recovery story in it. There's solution in it. There's uh breath work. There's like almost, um, I don't want to say assignments, but there's like uh, almost to do lists of, of, you know, this is this is the the path that you can take. And this is the order that, you know, you can do these things in. And then, um, you know, you got you gave me that that audio, um, you know, that audio uh, sound by I don't know what you call it, an audio clip on Spotify yeah. to to follow along with the breath work. And I mean, like, I, you know, I said this to you before, but I need to say it on camera. Like, I mean that audio and the breath work that goes along with it has changed my life in the past month um in ways that like i can't actually describe you know it's it's um it's amazing and i've always i've always loved um you know meditation and and the idea of coming back to the breath but using um using the breath and the breath work to um to really uh focus on um whatever it is that you might be dealing with at the time, whether it's uh, something that you're um, trying to um, trying to deal with, maybe uh, an emotion you're trying to connect with. Um, for me, it's like I've been able to um, deal with things in a, in a, in a much cooler headspace after doing the breath work. Um, yeah. And, you know, I told you this, like I, before I go to the gym, I'll sit in my car and I'll just put it on real loud and I'll just do the breath work. I'm sure the people that walk or walking by looking at me like I'm, a, you know, they're probably about to call the ambulance on me, but, um, man, okay? yeah, <laughs> but man, uh, I just, I love it. It's amazing. It's, it's really, it's, it's transformed, uh, my life really. And it's such a simple thing. So, um, you know, I firstly want to say thank you for that. Um, and, and as I said, this book, it's got, it's got everything in there, you know, um, uh it's a it's a i love i love recovery stories and recovery books that are alternative that offer an alternative modality to recovery but still refer to um whether it's 12 step or or other like 
proven methods that, that they can they can find a marriage of the two things. And I feel like you've done that uh, great in, in, you know, you've done that wonderfully in this book. But um, yeah, I just I, I love it. And I and I, I think anybody who is listening or viewing needs to needs to pick up a copy of this. And, you know, I know yeah. that uh, it, it's it'll change people's lives. So, you know, um, how has the book been going for you? Like, has it been selling well? Has it been well yeah. received, obviously? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Thank you so much. You know, when we talked the other day and you said that, you know, first of all, you read the book, you know, I jumped on a couple other podcasts with people and, you know, they didn't read the book. Right. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so it's, it's a challenge these days to get people to read the book. Right. Mm -hmm. They might leave, read a couple of the clip notes or whatnot. Yeah. And so and then and then for you to have done the breath work and kind of experience the benefits of that um, and the way that it lit you up mm -hmm. was it the same that happened to me when I first tried it. And, and that's been the experience, uh, for, for other people as well. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, when, when I, that's been my whole inspiration for teaching breath work has mm -hmm. been that response, you know, that look in your eyes, like what you just told me is something I did from my own breath that has changed my life. Yeah. You know, you put some music to it and you put your own twist on it. But the thing I love about it is, is that that's your breath, right? You are, your own internal healer for whatever you need. And I think we've lost sight of that um, in the culture that we live in now, right? Um, but as far as the book, um, you know, it, it all came together, right? My wife was actually the motivation for that. She had heard me speaking at these different places and she had heard things that people said to me. And she's like, you should write your story. You should write your book. And then when COVID hit, it was like, okay, you know, I'll right. put it together. And, um, and so I dictated most of the book, which I didn't know you could do. So, you know, I, like I had mentioned to you, I, I told those stories mm -hmm. and then, and then I transcribed them and then I was able to edit it and do some writing on top of it. And that really worked well for me because yeah. I have a gift for rating and being able to speak. And, and I like to write as well. Um, so as far as the sales of the book, it's interesting because, you know, the more I get on podcasts like this, the more I put it out there, the more sales come. Mm -hmm. One of the things that's been cool for me, so we facilitate the breathwork journeys here at our property on Maui. Every person that comes into our treatment center, you know, we give them, I give them a signed book, of course. Um, but the way that we do it is I probably sold more books hand to hand. Okay. Right. So if I do like speaking engagements or if I do um, like, for instance, we do, our breathwork journeys here and it's a contribution based. We had a terrible fire here on Maui. Mm -hmm. And so um, we lost like an entire town here back in August. Right. And so ever since the fire, what I what we've been doing, my wife and I, is we've been doing contribution based breathwork journey. So it's an hour long mm -hmm. breathwork journey at our studio here. It comes with a cold plunge and a meditation and we bring some snacks. The suggested contribution is 50 bucks. Okay. But Sometimes people don't bring, they, and if anybody's been affected by the fire, then it's free and it comes with a signed book, right? Cool. So we've kind of attached the book and like we've done a book release thing to where it was like, you know, it's, it's 50 bucks to come. It comes with a breathwork journey. You get the Spotify track and yeah. you get a signed copy of the book, right? Cool. Yeah. So, and then, so, you know, we've, I've sold, I think about like 800 books on, on Amazon, awesome. you know, right now, which is before you put the book out there, you're like, oh, 800 doesn't sound like that much, right? But then it's like, once you start actually trying to sell the books, you're like, wow, like that's a lot of books. It is. You know? And it's yeah. it's not easy to yeah. sell books, especially these it's days. Not. Yeah. Yeah. 
you yeah. got to push it. It's like anything else. Like you have to remind people you got to, you got to put it out there. And I've got a couple of fortunate things. This one influencer friend of mine, um, she has a bunch of followers and she's in the fitness world Oh, cool! and she did a book club and they voted on which book they were going to use and they used mine. Oh, so cool. I got yeah. Sales from that and people were reposting it and she's got like a million followers or whatever. So, Oh, fantastic. It's cool. Yeah. So, but you know, it's like, it's interesting. Like I was talking to you before about my favorite author, Eckhart Tolle mm-hmm. and his book, the power of now didn't become famous for five years. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And when you're looking at even some of the books, like, you know, a refuge recovery book, right. right. That might've been, what is it? 20 years old or something? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody might read it today and, you know, or look at Alcoholics Anonymous book, 1939. For and somebody sure. picks it up and has a amazing experience. But, but Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now book didn't become a best-selling book for like several years, right. you know? So it, it's for me to get the feedback that I've been given mm-hmm. gives me that inspiration to, you know what, this book, I can bring it anywhere. Like I can feel good about it. And that's the response I've been getting from a lot of people, mm-hmm. educated people, people that are well-read that said, Hey, just like you, I yeah. couldn't put it down. I read it the whole way on the flight and thank you so much. Even professional writers have reached out to me and said, Hey, this is very well-written. Amazing. So like, yeah. Awesome. The flow so of it is, is perfect, you know, and, and it doesn't, um, you know, and we talked a little bit about this too. The, just the way you know your stories in there, and then there's examples, there's uh, testimonials from people. That you know, there's stories. All of it. It's um, it, it's it's amazing. Um, I I thought it, the flow is just it's perfect. It and as I said, like I, I mean, I'm not a huge, I'm not a great reader. I love reading, but it takes me some time. But I got through this book pretty quick yeah. compared to any other book I've touched because I just, I couldn't, I was late for everything. Cause I was reading this. You know? I love that. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Man. Oh. Um, well, uh, you know, before we talk, you know, more about, um, you know, what's in the, like, you know, what you're doing today, what's, you know, what's, uh, what's changed in your life. Maybe you can kind of paint sure. a picture of, um, you yeah. know, briefly tell us, uh, your story. Um, and then, then we'll talk about sort of like what happened, what, it's, uh, what changed and what it's like today. And, sure, you know, I'd love sure. to, like we talked about, spend some time, you know, in some more time in today rather than the past stuff, because anybody who yeah. wants to know your full story can buy the book. You got to read the book. That's right. You know, it's so funny these days because people will ask me something, you know, I just celebrated the 10 years. We had some people over and they'll ask me, you know, well, how'd you meet your wife? And I said, well, you got to read the book. That's right. That's perfect. <laughs> you know, or how'd you get into breath work? I go, well, you obviously haven't read the book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, I appreciate that. And, and, um, so, um, for me, uh, both of my parents had struggled with, with substance abuse and mental health challenges. Mm-hmm. And so I was born in 1979 and both my parents were really, really young. My mom was 18 when I was born. Mm-hmm. And so, there was at least the culture around that, that I kind of grew up in was um, in the, the early 80s, the mid 80s as like sex, drugs, rock and roll. Yeah. Um, a lot of people uh, in that culture, I guess, were just, you know, smoking weed and partying. And it certainly didn't seem like anything was wrong with that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so but, you know, being uh, an only child with a single mother that was really young, my mom was really attractive. She was out um 
in a party scene quite a bit. You know, she divorced my dad when I was really, really young, like before I was one and um, ended up like some of her longer term relationships were with guys that were in rock and roll bands. Right, right. right. There was kind of a scene of that going on. I was up in Seattle um, in the early in late 80s and early 90s. And so, um, you know, it was just around. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's a lot of stuff that was kind of happening as a child that was confusing. I saw a lot of things and I kind of developed a, um, uh, I, I developed this secretive life. There's things that was happening in my household that I didn't feel comfortable sharing about maybe at school. Yeah. And we also moved around a lot. Mm -hmm. So I went to, I think like, I kind of lost count, but I think like 13 different schools in 10 years. Yeah. Right. So I was constantly moving. And so kind of the underlying theme of my life was I felt uh, different. Mm -hmm. I felt separate from other people. And, and I really just didn't know where I belonged because we we're always moving. There was always stuff happening. I was a new kid at school. So I didn't really have an identity at the time. Now on the out, on the outside, I presented as everything was fine, right? you know, and on the inside, I felt very lost. And so when I found drugs and alcohol, first, it was just some pot, because like, mm -hmm. there was always some around. I remember that feeling of separate, different and alone and fearful went away. Right. You know, it's like all of a sudden I felt like where I belonged. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, my dad wasn't super involved in my life. So I didn't have somebody to really be that disciplinarian figure in my life. Like, hey, this is what life's about. This is yeah. how you treat people. This is how you show up on time. This is what integrity is. Any of that kind of stuff. So I was just kind of flowing through life as a as a as a child and a young adolescent. Right. And so along with that, you know, I um, I become a very dishonest person from a young age. Mm -hmm. Um I started to lie to people, you know, I write about this in the book, but I, uh, I remember I, I would tell people at the school that my dad was Tom Chambers right. and, uh, and, and Tom Chambers was the only white basketball player on the Seattle supersonic team. And I love playing basketball. Mm -hmm. And so the kids at the school were like, Tom Chambers, isn't your dad, yeah. you know? And I, yes, he is my dad. And, and, and well, why don't we ever see him? You know, and it's like, right. well, because he's an NBA or whatever. Right. And then, so I remember my mom came to like a, there was like a school event and it was her and her boyfriend. And, and the kids are like, is Tom Chambers Nick's dad? And, and uh, she's like, who? And <laughs> she's like, Nick's dad lives in Eugene. Yeah. And I'm, you know, but the crazy part was, is like, I was so embarrassed, but then I, I couldn't tell the truth. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, even though the kids, caught me on the lie. I didn't admit to it. Yeah. And even the teacher came and was like, Nick, you have to be honest that Tom Chambers isn't your dad. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yes, he is. And I'm crying, you know, in this whole scene, you know, and it's just like, yeah, what's going on? And that pattern kind of continued for me all the way up until I got sober. It was exactly. just this creating these false realities. And yeah. And so, yeah. That is so relatable to me. And, and I think, um, you know, I, I, I was born in 78, so we're around the same age. And, and uh, mm -hmm. I think it's um, I think that whole thing of um, um, for me in my childhood, it was always there was always this theme of um, uh, make it look good for everybody else. Don't you know what happens behind closed doors stays behind closed doors. You don't talk about what's going on at home. You make it look good. You know, smile, be polite. 
you know, and 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 I had a lot of um, there was a lot of uh, uh, abuse, violence, um, all sorts of uh, stuff that I was really embarrassed of in 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 my household and i was the exact same way i found myself making up lies about where my mom was like if she had been put in jail or if she you know something like that happened i was making up lies i was um and then i get caught in the lies because of course somebody's parent knew and and then i i couldn't i couldn't let go of that lie i dug myself deeper into the hole and doubled down on that lie and it was like and and even though you know you're caught, you know everybody knows you're full of shit. You, yeah. f- you can't, you can't let it go. I, I could so relate to that part of the book, man. And yeah. I just, and that, that, um, you know, being embarrassed of uh, or shameful of what's going on at home or or whatever family life looks like for you, or unable to really share that because you don't feel that anybody could relate to it. It's, yeah. um, I think, it's a common thread, uh, you know, for alcoholics and addicts i think that's a that's you know from an early age we learn to lie we learn to um uh hold our feelings in not share with others and and we we learn to create these unless we're loaded (laughs) yeah well for sure for sure but we create these these alternate realities that we uh, almost i don't know if you this would be the same for you but i felt that at times i almost believed my lie more than i believed the truth because I wanted so desperately to live in that alternate rea- reality that I had uh, created. It, yeah. It's so dangerous. Yeah. Well, and that's what, so, and I talk about this a lot when I'm, you know, kind of sharing about uh, why breath work is so important. And mm-hmm. um, because I look at those times. So if you look at what you're talking about, what's happening in your household, it sounds like it was a similar kind of situation for me. And yeah. um, so there's a lot of, fear of, of people finding out right so we keep secrets because we don't know it's uncomfortable right so we're constantly thinking of like fear of rejection or it's that anxiety about what's going to happen if people find out or where is mom or where's my dad or who am i right sure so all this stuff is happening in our heads right and it takes us out of the present moment so we're, we're not able to have peace mm-hmm. right and then we find drugs and alcohol yeah which actually brings things into peace yeah you know so it's like i didn't realize that but what drugs and alcohol actually did for me was it it brought me into the present moment Mm -hmm. i'm not concerned about what's going on at home right now i'm not concerned about where my dad's at i'm not concerned about this that and the other thing but the challenge is is i'm only kind of calming those symptoms with the alcohol and the drugs right and so and, and, and then it becomes more elusive mm-hmm. and then I need more and then it just becomes a, a, a lifestyle. And that at the root of that is that problem. The reason why I was anxious or the reason why I didn't feel comfortable in my own skin has never been addressed. Right. right. So it's it's the reason I love breath work so much. And as you've experienced just with the breath work track mm-hmm. is that's actually a natural method that we can be into the present moment and we can let go because that stuff that that comes into our minds, whether it's anxiety or depression or fear or worry or doubt or all the stuff, mm-hmm. it's still there. But when I do that breathing, I shift things at the biochemical level yeah. and I can get out of that loop for a little while, get into my body and create that same shift in consciousness that drugs and alcohol did. Right. But there's 
there's no negative consequences. In fact, the only side effects are like a greater, greater ability to feel peace, sure. right? a greater yeah. ability to manifest things and a greater ability just to have clarity. And so that's why I think it's so important because of course, recovery and meetings and sponsorship, all of those things are helpful for people, but they're not going to get you high. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. So like, you know, so that's why the natural high of, of course, you know, meditation, but with the breath work where it's like, wow, this is, this is something. For sure. Um, yeah, a hundred percent. And, and the, you know, the idea that we don't have to seek out, uh, uh, we don't have to look outside of ourselves for that solution. You know, the solution yes. is within us at all times, which is, I mean, that is such a, that's such an amazing and actually, um, safe thing. It makes me feel very oh. safe that, that, that I can, yeah. I know. And, and that's what meditation did for me, um, for a long time. Like, I knew that I could return to the breath at any moment and I didn't, I, I could be on a subway. I could be in my car. I could be, you know, at the gym, wherever. Um, and, and I had that within me. So it's, it's a portable, uh, you know, I have that opportunity wherever I am, whenever I need it. Um, yeah. but this is like, um, and, and I will, I will say this too, um, your suggestion of the breath work and then the meditation after that is a whole other level of, um, it's almost like, you know, if it takes, if it generally takes me some time to get into that meditative space, um, yeah. cut that time in half or yeah. more like, and, 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 yeah. you know, you're, you're already there, you're already connected. Um, yep. and so that makes that meditation so much deeper, so much more meaningful and, and so much more totally. uh, purposeful. Yeah. This episode of the Authentic Adversity Podcast is brought to you and sponsored by Another Road Drug and Alcohol Treatment Center. Another Road offers a client-centered recovery program tailored to every individual's circumstances. Their focus is to create a supportive healing environment rather than a rigid, rule-based institution. Their dedicated commitment upholds the individual values respecting each person's desire for recovery. Another Road understands that every individual requires a unique and focused approach to their recovery. Certain modalities of treatment are introduced along with the tools necessary for each client. Located in a rural setting, their addiction treatment center for all genders provides the perfect setting for a transformative recovery experience and sense of belonging. The private residential treatment facility offers an unparalleled program with counselors that have in-depth knowledge based on varying years of experience in addiction. Another Road utilizes unique individual focus plans for recovery that address the complexities of drug addiction, alcoholism, and prescription medication misuse. They have a 65% success rate when clients follow their program. I know many people who have completed this program and they have absolutely rave reviews. To learn more, visit anotherroad.ca. Anxiety and depression come from somewhere, right? So yeah. it's like, that's unprocessed grief and trauma that are at the root of that. So, you know, when that presents and then we use a substance to numb out those symptoms, mm -hmm. right? But we don't ever get to that root cause. So we're dealing with dysregulated nervous systems from a young age. Right. And we don't know it, but we're regulating our own nervous systems with the weed, with the alcohol and with Sure. the community that we're hanging around. Yeah. Right? But we're aware that we're doing that. So I really believe that um, the key to healing 
uh, trauma and unprocessed grief is, is you have to regulate your nervous system because right. like, you, as you know, people come into treatment centers and they, they can abstain for a little while, mm-hmm. but if they haven't found a way to regulate their nervous system and get to that root cause of some of these real challenges, then the, the likelihood of them really making some significant changes in their lives is pretty low. Right. Right. Absolutely. And, and so... And so that's why I feel like it's such a important thing when people come here, man, and they and they do the big deep breath work practices. By the way, I emailed you the longer track, you know, for you guys to lay down and do. Oh, perfect, um, perfect. And people have these full releases, and they and they go back into some of these um, you know, traumas and some of these emotional experiences, and they're able to kind of lift them up and let them out and come out a little bit lighter and have a shift in perspective on things yeah. and release cry and yell and scream and, and really, um, and feel safe to do it and feel safe in their bodies to feel these emotions and to cry, to let it out. You know, it it took me so long to be able to cry, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just like, feel. you know, we live in a culture where it's like, you know, we're not supposed to cry. Yeah. You know, you're not supposed to show emotions and, and, and it's like, it's natural. It's, it's, it's a, it's an energetic release mm-hmm. to, to feel emotions and to cry. And, um, you know, we've, we've been taught that it's a weakness, right. Especially for men, you know, you, you get a hold of yourself, right. And, and it makes people uncomfortable. Right. And, and in fact, most of the time when people cry, the first thing they do is apologize. Isn't that weird? I don't know. Why. I'm so sorry. It's like, Oh, I'm so sorry for being a human. Yeah. Isn't <laughs> and, that crazy? And, uh, yeah. And the most uncomfortable person grabs the Kleenex. It's like, here, get yourself together. Right. I'm uncomfortable. You need to get yourself yeah. together. <laughs> yeah. That's and, so uh, true. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we've got to feel all that stuff, you know, because if you can feel the sadness and you can feel the joy and you can feel the anger, it's my belief that if you can feel it, then you don't have to become it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, during the breathwork journeys, man, we do all that. And, and it's, you know, it's just a way for people to, um, release yeah and let go of some of that stuff so and that's the big thing i mean i think uh i mean in recovery um that's a big i mean it just goes so hand in hand with like a recovery process like i found that um you know going through uh, like i started in the 12 step rooms and you know that's what i found when i was um writing my inventory and then sharing with another person and then um, making amends with people I was finding that was offering me bits of release as I was going along. Um, but to, to, to take, um, you know, to, to add this sort of thing where you get, um, like such an emotional release where, um, it's, it's all, um, generated from within. It's not, you know, you don't, you don't have to go, it's not a, um, an exchange of like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that, uh, you know, here's, I need to make amends with you. It's just a, sure. within, and it's part of, I think I could see this breath work, um, being part of being comfortable in your own skin. And we hear that a lot in recovery, right? Yeah. 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 hundred yeah, percent. And, and, you know, for me too, like, I mean, I didn't even find breath work until I was like five years sober. So mm-hmm. I guess about five years ago. And so, I got sober, I guess, in a traditional way, you know, treatment center. And I had been around AA for, for, so there was about five years between the first treatment center I went to and the last one I went to. Okay. And so uh, I grew up going to AA meetings as a kid. My dad was in AA. So when I would visit him on like summer breaks Mm -hmm. and Christmas 
different seasons, uh, I would go to AA <laughs> and uh, as a kid. Yeah. And this is back when they were smoking cigarettes in the meetings. And I just, <laughs> I thought it was just disgusting, you know, to be honest, you know, I okay. really did. And I, I did not want to be there. I'm a kid, right? And it's like, it's like summer or something. And, and I'm supposed to be on like my break and, and you smell cigarettes and you seen, and all I really remember was like, I seen those steps on the wall mm-hmm. and the traditions. And I remember seeing the powerless part as a kid right. and just thinking, how weak is that? Right. You know? and, and one of the challenges was, is that my dad never, uh, at least when I was a kid, he didn't sustain any long-term recovery. So I, I wasn't like, you know, if you ask my daughter about recovery, she's going to say, oh man, this thing saved my dad's life. It's amazing. She knows the serenity prayer, right? Yeah. But I didn't get to experience it from that perspective as being something that was just, you know, amazing. Right. You know? So when it came time for me to try to get sober, I wasn't like super excited about AA. Mm, right. Sure. You know, yeah. But I went to treatment and the first treatment I went to was like AA all day, you know? Okay. And it, it, and I didn't know that the lady on the phone didn't tell me that if she would have, I might not have gone, (laughs) you know, but, um, I went there and something shifted for me at that treatment center. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there were, there were, there was a lot of people that would bring meetings into the center. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think one of the most attractive things about the 12 step community is, is that they do it for free, yeah. you know? And so these counselors and these people at these treatment centers, they charge money and, 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 and all that stuff. And these people took time out of their day. There was groups that would come in to lead these meetings, like H and I panels. Right. Right. And, um, and I thought, wow, man, these guys are coming in. Uh, there's something real authentic about that. Right. And, um, and so that kind of started my journey in 12 mm-hmm. step. And, 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 but it didn't stick, you okay. know, it didn't stick at the beginning. I, I didn't have any idea about how much I had to actually change before I was going to be able to maintain some sobriety. And right. so from that first treatment center up until my sobriety date, I went through, um, you know, what I call the journey to surrender mm-hmm. and, uh, and it was painful, you know, it was painful. And I tell, I tell people a lot of times, and I just, picked this up from Joe Dispenza not that long ago, but he talks about if you want to change your personal reality, you have to change your personality. Right. And I didn't know how to change my personality. Okay. I just kept trying to abstain from drugs, go to meetings. And I had this sneaky suspicion while I was in and out and relapsing all the time that I'd end up in AA again someday. Right. Right. I was like, someday I'm going to be back here, but it's not today. (laughs) Oh, uh, I do. Yeah. that attitude is like, I mean, that's, that's a good way to die, you know, because it is like, you're always putting it off into some, some other space. And so, you know, um, fortunately I did get into treatment again in, in January of 2014. Mm -hmm. And one thing I knew about my recovery journey was, is that I had never gone all the way in. Yeah. You know, I, I knew that I had, there's this one guy, his, uh, he's an AA speaker. I used to listen to a lot of those talks mm-hmm. and his name is Bob Darrell. <laughs> and okay. He said, uh, you know, if he would have died before he committed to recovery, he would have died thinking that he did AA, you know? Right. Right. He's like, he's like the meetings. Oh, I've been to hundreds, you know, whatever he goes. But in reality, I had never really surrendered. He said, I was just a part of the passing parade that goes through Alcoholics Anonymous on the way to the graveyard or the penitentiary. Yeah. Isn't that so true? And that was me. I was part of the passing parade that was just in there 
for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't actually fully committed. And I talk about that in the book too, like the half surrendered yep. piece to where I don't know how to live with or without drugs and alcohol. And that's a scarier place to live than in, in full blown addiction, uh, and delusion. Right. Um, and, and I think this, I've always said, so my journey was very similar. Like I was introduced to AA, uh, or the rooms of, of recovery in, uh, I guess I was 22 years old. I didn't finally get sober for the last time until I was 32. So I spent, you know, 10, 10 years bouncing in and out of the rooms for various reasons. Um, and, uh, I used to I used to say I was always dipping my toe in the in the world of recovery, um, yeah. but I was never fully immersing myself. And um, I, I look at it now and I think and I see a lot of people do this. And I remember saying just exactly what you said, like, um, oh, no, I've done AA. Like uh, almost like I've graduated AA. I've been to the meetings. Uh, I did 90 meetings in 90 days. I, you know, I sat through speakers. I sat in groups. I sat in, you know, um, but the things I didn't do was get a home group, get a sponsor, uh, get yeah. active in meetings, uh, do service work, share at meetings. I thought, you know, I, I could gain some sort of uh, recovery through osmosis. Like your recovery was going to like rub yeah. off on me somehow. But yeah, I look at that. I look at that now. And uh, um, it's really it's really kind of sad. Um, I mean, I had to go through that to get to where I am today. But yeah. Uh, it's really so selfish because we're just taking up a seat that otherwise could be taken by somebody who is all in, you know what I mean? Um, sure. And a lot of us do. Um, and, and, you know, I think probably, uh, the majority of people who, uh, come through the doors of recovery, whichever way or modality you, you find, um, I think it's very rare to, 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 for it to, to stick or to get any traction on the first try. I mean, if you can, fantastic, amazing. Sure. You don't have to hurt anymore. You don't have to hurt people anymore. You get your life back. Um, mm-hmm. You have a chance and you don't have to feel what relapse is like because um, when you when you get any sort of exposure to uh, recovery, it seems to ruin drinking and using from that point on because you remember... Um, you know, you remember how it made you feel to walk in the rooms and have everybody shake your hand and smile and laugh and want nothing in return from you other than to, you know, other than for you to change your life and then help another person. I mean, sure. how amazing is that? Right. And it's free, like you said, yeah. um, really, it's remarkable. The whole the, the whole process and program is remarkable. But if you if you get get a glimpse of that and then you relapse every time you pick up that you know, that drink or that drug, you're remembering like, yeah, you know, it's not, you know, there is a better way. There is another way. But before you're introduced to that, at least for me, before I was introduced to it, I thought this is the only way active addiction is the only way I know how to live and I'm going to die this way. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 It's an interesting thing. Well, I don't think it's a, it's a conscious decision. And that's what I tell people a lot. Um, You know, I certainly, didn't uh, intend to waste all my grandma's money on the treatment centers that I went to. And I, and I didn't think to myself, you know what, I'm going to go in here and half-ass this. And I'm not, you know, like I, I didn't say to myself, I want to continue to destroy my life and, and, and destroy every relationship that I have. Yeah. Right. I just kind of did recovery. Like I did everything else. Mm-hmm. You know, 
uh, half-assed, right? I, I, I want instant gratification. I don't want to put in all the work and all the effort that goes along with it. Right. And that type of, those type of qualifications, right? Those type of characteristics just don't get it done yeah. with recovery. We're talking about deep internal changes. We're talking about uh, real internal work. And it's, it's, it's hard to do that if, if you're not all in. Sure. Right. And so that's that thing about not, uh, not even knowing I'm not even conscious of that. And so a lot of times in the recovery rooms, and that's sometimes the challenge I have when I, when I hear people in meetings, it's like, you know, why aren't you reading the book? Right. Right. Like why, why didn't you do this, that, and the other thing? And it's like, man, it's a miracle that people get sober. Like, if you really think about it, you know, you go yeah. into these meetings and there's a book that these dudes from Ohio wrote like a million years ago yeah. and we're in 2024 and somebody just stumbles into a meeting with these people and they're, they're talking this talk. Right. Yeah, and then still. somebody goes, that makes sense to me. Okay, <laughs> yeah. come on in, Stay down, you know, and come read this book with me every day and do yeah. this stuff. And, and, and I think a lot of times because we all kind of get indoctrinated into these systems and it all sounds right yeah. that it's like we forget like man that's not normal <laughs> you know what i mean that's just like it's crazy for you sure know? and then we all start to kind of like you know repeat the same stuff and, and 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 it's a beautiful thing but i think at the same time it's like we have to realize that you know people haven't shifted their consciousness you know they haven't had that awakening yet and there's mm -hmm. so many if we really believe it's a spiritual solution if we really believe that then then I don't have control over that. Like, yeah. Certainly, I don't even know about my own spirit, let alone yours. And if you've had a conscious contact with your spiritual guide, or if you've had a shift in consciousness, right? Who knows? Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty tall order. Yeah. You know, for sure. It's, it's so it's like, I mean, because I used to do that too. Like when I was like, when I was like really on fire, like I was kind of like a evangelist in AA. <laughs> yeah. It was like got to do the work. You got to do the steps. This is what it is. Selfishness and self-centeredness. It's this, it's that, you know? Mm -hmm. and, it, and it's like, you know, I think, I think I was, I had good intentions, but I was kind of misguided in my approach, mm -hmm. but that's all I knew because I had had that change internally, you know? And, um, and so it's, it's a trip, you know, the whole recovery thing is very interesting. Um, but for me, it's like I try to give people as much grace as I can because yeah. um, this idea that it's like pass or fail or like, um, you know, like permanent abstinence is the only way, I think really creates a model where people feel a lot of shame. Yep. Right. And and, and they feel like, oh, man, I, I slipped. So therefore, I'm, it's over. I failed. Right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Failed. You know, right. and it's like. I try to tell people, like, especially with what we're doing is like, hey, if you stayed sober for six months, congratulations. Now, of course, we're dealing with fentanyl and we're dealing with some of these things to where people can die. And that yeah. is, of course, the potential consequence. But it's like you stayed sober for six months. Awesome. You know what I mean? Now, now you might have made a mistake. Something happened. But let's go in for another six. For you know, sure. let's let's try to get a year this time, you mm -hmm. know, instead of this idea of like, oh, man. I was full of shit or this, that, or the other thing, you know, and, and oftentimes it's interesting because if people have a chunk of sobriety and they lose it, mm -hmm. it's all they ever talk about. 
Yeah. Right? You're, yeah, yeah, that's very like, true. Years and, and it's like we live in this like space of like having to put so much emphasis on that. And, yeah. and with breath work and what we're doing, it's like we only have the present moment, mm -hmm. you know. So, so it's like, is there any value? And I and, and I think sometimes people like to share that stuff because they're trying in some way to prevent somebody else from having to have that experience, right? And that's fair. Like, yeah, it's fair, but at the same time, it's like I don't know if there's that much value in repeating that same thing over and over. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's 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 I think there's more value in trying to be present and trying to be here um, if you can, you know, I agree. So. Yeah, I, I I I do notice the same thing. And sometimes, you know, what I what I say to everybody like, hey, you relapsed, you're back at the rooms. That's all that matters. Tell me what you're doing today. What'd you yeah. learn? What'd you learn? And what are you doing today because of it? You know? Yeah. And um, yeah. and and that's what I you know, that's that's what I want to hear about. I, I mean, when people relapse, it's unfortunate for sure. But I, I agree. Um, this whole thing about like that you're clean, that you've lost your clean time. You've lost, well, you haven't lost any time. You went back right. out, but you still have learned all that stuff that you learned in that time where you were clean and right. okay. You had a slip up. Now you've learned more because with the right support around you, you can kind of retrace your steps where did I go wrong? Where did the thinking go wrong? What, what led me to that relapse? Okay. Mm -hmm. Now I've got a new set of warning signs, a new set of, um, you know, uh, um, sort of, uh, flashing lights. Like when, when I start to get back into this thinking, I know I'm on my way yeah. to relapse. So yeah. earlier prevention, it's, you know, it's a, it's a great learning tool. Um, sure. if it, if it has, if it has to happen. Um, sure. but yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Like I, you know, I like the idea of, um, you know, clean time is clean time. It's great to celebrate the milestones. Uh, it's great for people yeah, to, sure. to know, Hey, it's possible. This guy's got, you know, um, you know, 30 years, 20 years, 10 years, all this, you know, but really I like the idea of, you know, we're all sober today and that's a celebration. Yeah. Right. 100%. It doesn't and matter. Well, you know, in my book, I quoted Eckhart Tolle a lot and he really, you know, he changed my life so much with his, um, with the power of now. And then, uh, the new, the new earth. And, yeah. um, you know, he talks about that man's greatest obstacle to experiencing the realm of the spirit. Yeah. God is the man-made construct of time. Right. Right. And that time, this creation of time has separated us from nature. Mm -hmm. It separated us from spirit and it separated us truly from having connections with other people. Right. Right. And it's like, Oh, wow. You know, and he, he has this description of like a bald eagle flying through the air and, and, and he sees a grizzly bear in the river and the bald eagle is like, hey, what time is it? <laughs> you know? yeah. He's like, I don't know, <laughs> you know, right? Because we're the only species that I'm aware of that are counting every second of every minute yep. of every hour of every day. Sure. Of every month, of, you know, and it just and it just never stops. Right. Yeah. And it keeps people distracted from the realm of the spirit right and of course longevity and 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 um continuous sobriety is the goal of mm -hmm. course but at the same time um i think that as much as we can be in the present moment and and live for the only thing that we really have is is the is the real goal right you know
Yeah. And so, um, so for me, it's like, man, you know, I just, I want to switch that for people. Cause I see the shame so often with that. And yeah. I'm just like, hey, like, let that go. Like we already feel bad enough about ourselves, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, um, but yeah, I mean, it is what it is. It, it's, it's challenging. Cause when you put that much of an emphasis on those milestones and the time, yeah, it's just natural for people to feel defeated, you know? For sure. Yeah. So definitely. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I couldn't agree more with you. And I think, um, you know, I think that that should be, that should be part of the programs that, you know, teaching, but like, Hey, it's, it's, you know, we're, we're dealing with a book that was written in the thirties and yeah. nobody's going to change it. So, but the that's great like writing new books, you know, that's right. That's right. Well, and that's, that's the great thing about it. Cause um, as I said earlier, the marriage between, you know, what we learn in 12 step rooms or, or uh, other, you know, um, recovery rooms or, or recovery, different modalities of treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we yeah. can, that we can marry those two or, or many things together yeah. to form what recovery uh, is uh, supposed to look like or what it ideally looks like for each individual, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. This episode is sponsored by Carousel Tattoo and Barbershop. Custom tattoos and traditional barbering exceptionally tailored for each individual. Located in the historic lakeside community of Port Luzi, Ontario, Carousel Tattoo and Barbershop creates from their passion and dedication to the craft. Combining traditional standards of uncompromising quality and exceptional service with modern craftsmanship to create a one-of-a-kind tattoo experience and head-turning cuts. Their aim is to continuously improve their skill set and give back to their trade and local community in a positive and impactful way. Visit Carousel Tattoo and Barbershop in Port Luzi, Ontario. When I was listening to you and Noah on that podcast, I really that really resonated with me because mm-hmm. it's like the same way where it's like you want to and they even say it in recovery all the time like you know take what you need and leave the rest that's right, right? yeah so it's like i can reshape things and reframe them to fit my life right yeah and i can try to create community and i can it even says in 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 the big book somewhere in there that they want you to create the fellowship that you crave right, right? so it's like that's why i try to tell people even in the book i'm like you know people you don't like aa We'll create a new program. Sure. Those yeah. guys did it. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, be creative and and come up with new paradigms and new ways to create new communities because that's the kind of thing that people get inspired by. Absolutely. You know, and, and yeah. they need more inspiration. And so um I always give nothing but love and respect to, you know, my book uh, shouts out a lot of gives a lot of love to AA, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, it does. Um I also feel like we need fresh um, new, uh, ways of, of being able to recover because, you know, you look at, you look at how many people struggle and it's clear that, um, that we need as many avenues as possible. A hundred percent. And, um, if you're offering new innovative modalities of treatment, um, we're opening up the idea of, um, the idea or the, the, um, chance of recovery to a bigger, audience right because there's a lot of people out there that say no you know i'm not going to aa it's not um it's a cult it's a you know all the things that we used to say um and and it's uh i'm not religious you know i'm not uh i don't want to go to refuge it's uh i'm not a buddhist i don't believe in that smart meetings are not for me and so i you know i'm just going to do it on my own but 
if if you've got now all these different modalities and, you're, and we're bringing in new um, new technology, new um, and and maybe I shouldn't say new, but we're returning to things like the breath and and you know meditation, breath work, um, the cold plunges, all these things. It's yeah. you know that 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 is getting people um, invigorated and more um, more open to the idea of recovery and and i think that's that's what we need right we need to um and i think that goes with the attraction rather than promotion motto um you know in the in the traditions like we need to attract we need to have a program for everybody right like a program that's the right fit for every type of person out there and um and also programs like i don't see any any problem with people doing three different programs you know, yeah. because that's what your recovery looks like today. And and, that- and for me, I kind of think like when you're brand new, you got to just do whatever is in front of you if you can. Yep. Right. So it's kind of like, I mean, the reason I did 12 step was because there wasn't nothing, anything else to do. <laughs> right. Know, it was like, right. This is it. Like, Same. And, and my life had got so bad that that finally became really, really attractive. Yeah. Right. I mean, I had gotten to some points in my life. I remember where I was like just in the darkest just abyss of just shame and regret and, and, and just victimhood. Mm-hmm. And like, if you just said, I can have anything I want, I would have said, I just want to be picking up a 30 day chip in an AA meeting. You right. know, like I would just said like, Oh God, I get another chance at this thing, you know? Yeah. But so, but I think that, you know, once you get involved in, in a program like that, then, then it's like, you get some sobriety. I I mean, I would recommend somebody has some sobriety and a foundation and then start to, you know, think about other ways to, you know, even inside the 12 step model, you know, you can, you can reshape it and reframe it to your own life because that's what it's supposed to be anyways. Right. It's like, you know, these guys wrote this book and they're like, you know, they, one of my favorite things I always repeat when I go to meetings, I don't go as often as I used to, but it says when they read that a vision for you, it says, we realize we only know a little. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I try to remind these guys of that. Like the guys that wrote the book, they said they only know a little. For that, sure. That, you know, that it's a spiritual thing and more things are going to be disclosed as we go along and, and we're getting rocketed into the fourth dimension of existence mm-hmm. and we're not concerned about like what you do for work or where you came from or what your education is. Yeah. Right. And those are the pieces that are like resonate with me. Mm -hmm. Right. And then, but, but it's, you know, it's, it's part of the, I think kind of the challenge with like the, the collective consciousness a lot of times is it's like, we get so identified with this belief system as who we are, that if somebody else has a different vision, then it threatens our identity. And it's like, wait a second, you're not sober. Wait a second. You're not an addict or are you an alcoholic or no, you know, and it does this whole kind of religious thing. Right. And those are the kind of things that, that don't resonate with me anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. I want to be, um, because, you know, it's like that type of identification uh, can be harmful. You know, it's like it, yeah. it, 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 it puts this us versus them mentality, mm-hmm. which um, that's that's an illusion. Yeah, absolutely. You know? There is no us and them, you know. Um, and so, um, you know, but I still go to meetings and I preach my gospel and the things that resonate with me because that's my right. That's right. You know, I'm, for sure. I'm a member. And, and so when, you know, I always tell people, and it's like, I like to make the newcomers feel really, 
really welcome mm -hmm. and comfortable. And I like to feel, make the old timers feel uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, that's great. I mean, Hey, I think so, the old timers, they need, they need challenging every once in a while. Right. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You got to shake it up. That's why I tell them come to a breathwork journey and freaking start balling and yeah, really awakening the spirit. You know, can you um, can you talk to me a little bit about what brought you to breathwork and how it was, um, yeah. you know, kind of how it was introduced to you and um, what your initial thoughts and um, and and what what made you really um, take that and run with it and yeah. and yeah. 100%. Well, a couple of things. And, and so I went to a 10 day silent meditation course with my girlfriend at the time who's now my wife, mm -hmm. which we were just dating for a couple of months, which is just a, a wild thing to do with somebody that you've just kind of <laughs> fell in with. Yeah. And um, I had a crazy experience, you know, being silent for that long. And I, I mean, all of my deepest vulnerabilities came up, all of my historical wounds of abandonment came up and mm -hmm. it is this whole wild situation. But during that, <clears throat> uh, during that meditation course, some facilitator came and did a breath work uh, workshop and it was for maybe like an hour or whatever. And it was the Wim Hof style breathing, which derives from this Tumo style, which is like a Tibetan breath work. It's, the sim it's similar to the one on, on the track that I recorded. Right. And I didn't know if I was doing it right. And I didn't know exactly what happened. But all I know is, is I had a, a profound spiritual experience. So on top of the fact that I had already been silent and meditating for several hours a day, this thing just blew my mind. Right. I mean, it was just like, and I'm laying out on this field and I'm just like, just happened sure but it's a silent meditation course so you can't talk about it and you can't really ask questions right and um like i mentioned before i was like five years sober at the time and um i went through a bunch of stuff around relationships and i, I took a whole year off and i had to do a bunch of deep internal work around um, objectification of women sure. around a lot of old patterns not knowing how to have a real relationship mm -hmm. So I had just met my my girlfriend, soon to be fiance, now wife, mm -hmm. at that time, right at the end of that year long um, period of celibacy, and so profound breathwork experience. Well, we leave the meditation course, and I kind of dropped it a little bit, you know. And then and then I met this guy a few months later, and I didn't know what it was. I didn't know the style of the breathwork. And this guy ended up being a, a guy that I was helping coaching. And I go to his place and he's watching these Wim Hof YouTube videos. Okay. And I'm looking at it and I go, hey, I think that's the thing I did at the retreat. That was like, and he, and, and he was going through this whole challenging season, but he's doing breath work fanatically. Right. And I, I thought he was a little bit crazy. And um, now he's one of, he's actually a close friend of mine. We're still connected to cool. this day, yeah. but that reintroduced me to it. So then I found out what the practice was and then I found out um, the style of it. And then I started doing the cold water immersion stuff as well. And the interesting part about it, man, and this is one thing that I credit, you know, 12 step for a lot mm -hmm. for me, what I call spiritual currency is, um, is the idea is when you find something that is very valuable to you for your spiritual practice that helps to shift something internally, you got to share it with other people. Yeah. The only way you get to keep it is by sharing it mm -hmm. and being of service to others. And so when I found the breath work, 
I was like, well, I was working at a treatment center, so I'm in a position. I'm sponsoring a lot of guys. I go to a lot of meetings at that time. Like, I'm going to start sharing this with other people. Mm-hmm. And so that was what I kind of started doing right away. The interesting thing is, as I learned this later on, is that I have what they call undiagnosed ADHD. Okay. So I'm constantly, you know, my attention's over here and and I'm interrupting people when they're talking, I'm finishing people's sentences. So, you know, I, I, I'm not, you know, I'm kind of all over the place. Right. Yeah. And I was unaware of this and depending on what studies you look at and some of the research, they say a lot of us that struggle with these challenges have a lot of those symptoms. And one of the major symptoms of ADHD is poor impulse control, mm-hmm. right? And that's why I think the breath work and the cold water exposure is so important for people that are trying to stay tethered to a recovery program, right. whatever recovery program it is. Because if you have poor impulse control and you're trying to have a lifestyle change and you don't want to watch pornography or you don't want to gamble or you don't want to do drugs anymore, you don't want to do random hookups online when right. you're on these dating apps or whatever it is, and you don't have something to help address that challenge. So it's interesting for me when I found the breath work and I found the cold water exposure, something happened in my, and everything's the clarity started coming in together. Okay. And that's when my wife suggested right in the book. Mm. And it was interesting because I kind of had just learned the breath work. I took an online course and then I went from doing the Wim Hof method to where what I do now, right. which is the disconnected clarity breath work that derives from holotropic breath work. Okay. I signed up for this course online and I laid down in my office and I put these headphones in and I paid a couple thousand bucks for the course. And I thought to myself, did I just get ripped off? (laughs) And I laid down and the guy had a guided track and it was just 30 minutes. And and I had a biblical Hmm. spiritual experience from that. Yeah. And it just like my whole body was vibrating. I was crying. The the kind of prompts you to do some yelling and some laughing along the way. And I'm by myself in my office and there's tears and I'm ah yeah, right. And then and then it gets it it, it stops and I'm just sitting there just like what just happened? Like I just felt this whole release and everything was lighter. And then, you know, from that moment on, I was just like, wow, this is this is what I'm supposed to be doing, you know? And and so the cold water exposure in collaboration with the breathing stimulates and activates the same chemicals in our brain and in our system that the uh, ADHD medication does. So these days, if you're going to try to get medicated for that challenge, they're going to give you stimulant medications, Adderall, Mm -hmm. Concerta or Vyvanse, all this shit. And if you're a kid, they'll diagnose you when you're younger and give it to you, right? Yeah. So that's why, you know, I have um, I have adolescent daughters. And so we've been doing the breath work and the cold plunge with, um, with the teenagers, right? And showing them away because, you know, Adderall and some of these drugs all over all of our colleges. And, yeah. And kids think they need them to focus. Right. And, and I'm a living testimony that you can do breath work and cold water exposure. You can, you know, write a book and start to write music and produce these tracks because it, it can actually, it's sustainable dopamine mm-hmm. boost from the cold water exposure. It's sustainable dopamine and, and serotonin boost and norepinephrine from, from all of these practices. And it's natural. Yeah. And it 
and it keeps you tethered to it, you know? And so, um, it's powerful, man. And if you put your intentions into it as well, Mm -hmm. right? Like for me, like before, when I was writing the book and then I'm breathing and, and there's a part of the breathwork practice where it like wants you to visualize something that is a dream. It's a goal. It's something you've been working towards, Okay. but I want you to see it like it just happened. Oh, cool. Yeah. And what is it? Well, so at that time I'm like, okay, I got the book. Okay. Well, what's it going to look like? What's going to be in it? Who's going to be there? Right. And so I'm visualizing all this stuff and I'm seeing myself like signing the books and I'm seeing myself having like, um, uh, you know, release parties for the book and all this stuff. Yeah. And here I am three years later signing the book, right. And doing the stuff and having these things actually come to fruition. Wild. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, it's real. Yeah. Right. And you, and you can feel it. And all you have to do is get rid of everything that's in the way. Right. 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 Yeah. And so it's, it's powerful, man. And so that was kind of my um, introduction to it where I found it. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. And now sharing that with people uh, every day as a, you know, as, as a, as a profession, right? Like this is your, this is your job to share this with people and, and, what a, what an amazing thing to, you know, you, you talked about it, like you, you, you experience something that's life changing and you share it with people and you get to be a part of their life changing experience as a result. It's like, yeah, I mean, that gives back every single day. That's amazing. Right. Yeah. Welcome to Lakeside Recovery, the premier men's addiction treatment center located in the beautiful town of Portaluzie, St. Catharines. We understand that addiction is a complex and multifaceted disease that requires a holistic approach to recovery. That's why we've designed a client-centered recovery program that integrates physical fitness, cognitive behavioral therapy, and fellowship to provide our clients with the tools they need to achieve lasting recovery. Our program is designed to be flexible and adaptable to the unique needs and circumstances of each of our clients. We offer a one-month program that is intensive enough to make a real difference in your recovery, but not so long that it disrupts your life. During your time at Lakeside Recovery, you'll work closely with our team of experienced professionals to develop a personalized treatment plan that addresses your individual needs and goals. Our program approaches recovery from several perspectives to help you connect with your inner self and find meaning and purpose in your recovery. Regular exercise has been shown to improve mood, reduce stress, and promote overall well-being. This is why our program includes daily fitness activities such as hiking, running, combat sports training, as well as access to a state-of-the-art fitness center. In addition to the clinical and therapeutic components of our program, our goal is to create a supportive and welcoming community that will help you stay on track in your recovery and build lifelong connections with others who share your journey. If you're ready to take the first step towards a brighter future, we invite you to join us at Lakeside Recovery. You can't fulfill your full potential if you're living in the past. Mm -hmm. And that's the challenge that a lot of us have is like, you know, we replay those old mental movies and we yeah. retell those old stories. And it's, it's a, it's a victim story. A lot of the times, at least from my perspective, it was. Yep. And so what the breath work does is this practice. It allows me to start writing a new story. Mm-hmm. Like I can use my old story, right? I can still have that as, as an asset to help other people. Right. But it doesn't have to be who I am. Like I want to write a new story. I want to break into the highest level of myself, right? Yeah. And level up. 
And, and, and so that's, um, what this has allowed me to do is break through those self-limiting beliefs that I think a lot of us have, and not just addicts and alcoholics, just people in general that don't want to let their life shine. They're scared of failure. They're scared of rejection. You hear that so much. I always tell them, I said, fuck them. I said, you know, like if, if you knew how little people actually think about you, you really wouldn't care. (laughs) You know, It's It's so true, right? Like, just do it, push through it. And, um, so that's that's what I what we try to try to do is really um, let people let their light shine, you know, yeah. uh, find your bliss. And that's another thing, you know, I, and I love quoting recovery, but Eckhart Tolle, too, he says that our purpose as humans is to become awakened spiritually, mm-hmm. to become conscious. And then our only purpose after that is to help other people attain that same state. Yeah. It's just like with AA, right? We got the first step. We come in. We're powerless. We can't stop drinking and using. Our life's unmanageable. Mm -hmm. You get to the end of it and you had a spiritual awakening. And now it's your only purpose is to help other people and to try to practice this lifestyle in all of our affairs. Right, right. So that spiritual process is true in all different uh, spiritual modalities across history. Definitely, definitely. I mean, and that's a really interesting thing. And I I talk to people about that all the time. It's like, you know, you don't have to be an alcoholic or an addict to follow these principles. And it's actually, you know, this is just, you know, they say it's just a a design for living that works for everyone, alcoholic, addict or not. Um, And and like you said, you see it that that's repeated throughout history, throughout different teachings. It's like, yes, you, you, you learn the thing, you go through the process, you have that monumental change and then you pass it along and that's, yeah. that's, that's your, that's your, that's your purpose, right? That, yeah. you know, to, to pass along that, um, that, that change in that process. And, um, you know, and in the meantime, what the amazing thing is you, you get to be a part of so many people's lives and you get out of your own selfishness, your own self-centeredness and all that stuff that, uh, that they teach us. But, um, you know, sharing, helping another person being of service in any form for any person is, is the most meaningful thing that anyone can do. I mean, it's the most valuable thing anyone can do as well. Right. Absolutely. And I think that, yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. One of my favorite spiritual teachers is Martin Luther King, Mm -hmm. Dr. King. And he said um, that at some point, each person has to decide whether to walk in the light of creative altruism or in the darkness of destructive selfishness. And, and if you think about the recovery, like we're trying, like what we're doing on this podcast, this is creative altruism. Absolutely. We've created a way to be of service to other people, to share a message. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that is the light of creative altruism. Right. And that's, it just feels good. And so, you know, whether you're making coffee at a meeting or you're picking somebody up to give them a ride, but it doesn't just have to be in the recovery setting. It's like, we take that and we try to do it in any, any part of our lives. Yeah. And, and it's, it, it makes life, um, so meaningful. Right. Absolutely. And, uh, and and it it is, it's like the juice. It's, it's the thing that keeps, keeps you going. It builds self-esteem. It makes you feel like you have a purpose. It makes you feel like you have, you belong somewhere. And, um, and then you can never run out. That's you right. Know, you yeah. You know, it's abundant. It is. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, man. Um, 
Yeah. So one last thing before we wrap up, um, I just want to talk uh, real quick about um, the recovery center and, you know, how you got involved in that. Yeah, for sure. So I, um, I got sober in treatment center mm -hmm. and I got the opportunity after well, it's kind of a long story. You have to read the book, but that's right. Uh, the yeah. <laughs> center that I went to went out of business and then they reorganized and reopened like nine months later, I started mm -hmm. working there and in a, in a, a string of, serendipitous events i ended up getting an opportunity to go from kona hawaii back to maui where i was from mm -hmm. and open a center called maui recovery um, from there i worked as an admissions director and business development marketing for about eight years okay and developed some really good friendships and i had an opportunity to partner with one of my good friends over on the big island so kind of went full circle went back over there and helped to open up the Honu House Hawaii. Mm -hmm. And by that time, my business partner had seen what I've been doing with the breath work and the cold water exposure. And he's like, you know, Nick, something's changed in your life. I can see it. Yeah. And he was running a all men sober living at the time. Okay. And he basically said, Hey, we got this nice property over here. It's on three acres. There's coffee farm and fruits. And why don't you come over and check it out? And if you want to partner, we can go to a higher level of care. So moving out of sober living and going into residential care. Amazing. And because of him and I had also been in the industry for, you know, uh, almost a decade, mm -hmm. we had a lot of contacts with like therapists and doctors and kind of had all the pieces to be able to put together. Yeah. And not to mention a network of referrals from all the uh, people that we had served. In sure. The past. Yeah. And so from there, it'd been, it's actually February 1st will be two years since we've been doing Honu House Hawaii over awesome. on, on Kona. Yeah. And we do breath work and we have a cold plunge and a sauna. So yeah, um, we're doing that stuff uh, pretty much every day. For sure. I mean, the place looks absolutely breathtaking and um, yeah, yeah I, I, I love it. And uh, I think it's um, I think it's amazing that, you know, you're, you're able to add your flavor to the, the treatment center and, you know, to the, the treatment um model that that works but you know again you know you're you're adding your your flair to it your piece that the piece of the missing puzzle or the the missing puzzle piece for yeah. you that you yeah. get to, to to put into the treatment center now and um you know and that's why i'm really excited to you know to start working with you um at lakeside yeah. recovery and i i'm i'm really stoked for the guys to um experience this and to you know, to, to have a relationship that way. Um, you know, I, I think that it's, um, it's a, it's a, a missing piece that, um, now I can say from, you know, a short time of experience in, in, in adding this to my life, but yeah. the, you know, on the second, probably the first day that I did it, I was like, okay, he's got to do this. He, you know, I, I've got to ask you if there's any way we can, we can work something out like this, a, a zoom, a, you know, a, a virtual session, because, um, mm. I didn't want, I didn't want the guys to learn it from anybody but you. Yeah. And I, you know, and, and I had just, I had just had the experience for myself and I was feeling so strongly about it. And I thought there's, it would be, I would be now knowing this and feeling this, it would be doing the guys at, uh, our treatment center a disservice not to share it with them yeah yeah well and that's the whole goal i mean the whole reason that i wrote the book and that i've started to do this practice was just for that yeah because even though i stayed sober through 12 steps like i was out of all the people that came in with me at that in, in my kind of 
what do you want to call it, graduating class of treatment. Yeah. Nobody else is around, right? So I've seen so many people go out and so mm -hmm. many people pass away and so many yeah. people not make it. So I feel like if I had found breathwork earlier, maybe I could have created that shift spiritually. And right. if we believe that it's a spiritual awakening, that I need to have more consciousness and awareness than being lost in that compulsion and that obsession and that loop of ruminating thought, right. then how do I how do I break free from it? That's right. And so I think that if we want to have a spiritual awakening, which the Latin word for spirit is breath, mm -hmm. then we can do these deep breathwork practices and maybe we can shift something of our own consciousness and our own spirit that will allow us to go, aha. Yes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> because well, the nice. aha is what we're all looking for, right? And we can't give it to anybody. They mm -hmm. have to find it on their own. That's right. But once somebody finds it, it doesn't matter what program it is. It doesn't matter what book it is, in my opinion, sure. that it's, it's something's going to come and fall into place for you. Yeah. And, and recovery will make sense. And, and, and probably not a moment before it's supposed to. Totally agreed. Well, that's amazing, man. Um, listen, I want to I, I want to thank you for for coming on and sharing, uh, you know, yeah. parts of your story and, you know, uh, everything that's worked for you. I, I hope um, anybody again, this is the book Breath of Life. Um, anybody uh, interested, uh, definitely check it out. It's so worth uh, so worth the read. Um, and if anybody uh, wants to connect with you, uh, or you have social media handles that you want to put out there. Um, I'll also yeah. link those on the show notes, but if you want to just mention them now, yeah, that'd be great. So mm -hmm. our website is breath of life recovery dot org. Mm -hmm. Um, so you can catch up with us. We're doing online zoom groups as well. We have some online coaching programs available and you can find a lot of information on there. Our Instagram as well is breath of life recovery 808. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then the book is available. If you type in on Amazon, it's Nick Terry, T-E-R-R-Y, and then TNT, uh, Breath of Life, and that'll pop up. Um, one thing that's cool about the book is, is, is that right in the beginning, there's a beginner's breath routine, mm -hmm. and there's a QR code. And if you scan that QR code, that breathwork practice will pop up. Yeah. And so if you go on to Spotify, just like the cover of the book that you just showed, if people can jump on there and type in, um, Nick Terry, Breath of Life, and then that breathwork practice will pop up on like Apple Music or Spotify or YouTube as well, and, and people can people can check it out. Yeah, I mean, I, I highly recommend that to anybody who is interested in in uh, you know experiencing it for themselves. Um, so Nick, uh, man, thank you so much. Um, you know, I, I look forward to um, you know coming out there and, and connecting with you face to face, yeah. uh, one of these days very soon, I hope. And, yeah. um, you know, and then, you know, we'll, we'll connect, uh, you know, virtually for, uh, for the sessions, but honestly, this has been amazing. Uh, I'm so happy to have you in my life, man. Um, I think yeah, you're, I think you're amazing. And, uh, everything that you're doing is, is just, uh, like awe inspiring. So, uh, keep it up, man. Um, congrats on your 10 years. And, you know, just thank you so much for, for everything that you continue to do. Well, it's my pleasure. And um, I feel like it was, uh, it was supposed to happen, our connection. Yeah. And so I'm so grateful that you had me on. And, and again, 
I'm just honored to know you and to be able to share here on your podcast. I know how much work it takes to, to do this and yeah. put in the energy and effort. So it's people like you that um, that make this possible. And just wanted to say thank you so much for everything, man. I really, really appreciate it. I really appreciate you reading the book and doing the breath work. That just like, it just lights me up, man. It just yeah. makes my heart super full. So well, for sure, man. And I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have had this interview had I not done that stuff because I feel like I, I want to with every podcast and every guest, I, I want to um, have experienced or learned as much as I can about their life and their practice. Um, so I can on so I can speak from the heart about this stuff. Um, sure. You know, I don't want it to be a surface level conversation. I want to be able yeah. to speak from experience from, you know, reading and, and practicing and, and all that stuff. And um, yeah, man, it's, uh, it's, it's absolutely amazing. So thank you again. All right, brother. You have a good one. You as we'll well. see you soon. For sure. All right.